We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience. We're only one week away from official kickoff of the NFL season, which means one more time to adjust the rankings, update the news, because there's still a lot of people doing their drafts over Labor Day weekend. It's a long weekend. I personally do not enjoy doing drafts over Labor Day weekend because I like to take a bit of a holiday. People are away for the long weekend. They don't want to be calling in from their cottage in order to do a draft. You know, bad Wi-Fi out there. You need one of those Wi-Fi sticks. You know, the reception's no good. You can't personal hotspot to your phone. It's no good. You should have probably done them by now, but kudos to you if you've gathered together your 12, 13, or 16 pals together in order to do this draft. Hey, maybe you go away and do it in person. I don't know, but me and... Jake Seeley from The Athletic are going to go through all the stuff that I've missed over the last week since I've been away. I hope you've enjoyed all of the shows. It's unfortunate the AFC show went at a date with Andrew Luck, but everything else is pretty pretty much on the up and up. I blame Cust. He said, you know, they're going to go to the AFC championship game because luck is so good. Here's what happens when you have Tim Andrew Cust support behind you. But I do have a few giveaways and a few announcements as well. Jake is going to be joining me every week on the ranking show. That show will come out on Tuesday afternoons in the week. If you're looking for the Spread Pick'em show, that should come out sometime Wednesday morning. So we've flipped around the schedule. The DK show for the picks will come out on Thursdays. But yeah, this week it's going to be a little bit different. We'll try to get ahead of the game so you can get all the information you want. Speaking of DraftKings. Guess what? There's a Pat Mayo Experience Listeners and Viewers League. For you people out there, you tweeted at DraftKings, you made it happen. Now, they only gave us 3,500 spots for week one. So this is going to fill like within three hours, probably. Uh, I've included the link in the description of this podcast. If you're on the video version, we cannot put the link on YouTube or they will ban us for life. <laughs> so the thing is, I'm just going to re- redirect you to the podcast. The link will be in there and boom, you can just click on it and BM. It's $15 to enter, only a maximum 
maximum of three lineups, a guaranteed prize pool, and no rake. So you're going to get the full amount of money put back in. And I got some $20 giveaway, so I'll give you an entry in a bit. Or an entry into the millionaire, millionaire Maker for week one if you want that. A few ways to do so. Number one. Smash the like button for this video. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. You tell me which week you think Melvin Gordon will come back and start for the Los Angeles Chargers. We'll get to him a little bit later on. Uh, other ways you can do that. We need to get some more iTunes reviews, people. We need it, all right? We need it out there bigly. So five-star review after you subscribe. DraftKings handle in the review. And tell me something you like about the show. You're in the draw for 20 DK bucks. Also, follow me on Instagram at the PME. Anytime you see a sports-related post go up, don't be doing it on my baby pics. That's just weird. Uh, but I do have a baby. You know, you can like those. Just don't leave your DraftKings handle. It's fucked up. But if you do it on the sports post, then you'll be in a draw for 20 DK bucks after you give me the follow on the Instagrams at the PME. I think that's good, too. Oh, uh, and I did the big show with the Daily Roto guys. I recommend it to anyone just looking to get better at DraftKings every time I do the season preview with them i really learn a lot with mike and drew and the daily roto tools if you use the promo code the pme t-h-e-p-m-e at daily roto you can get 10 percent off every single package that you buy i highly recommend going to watch that show it's on my feed uh and there's a lot of tips tricks and how to use their tools if you're someone who just plays a lot and you make a lot of lineups that you don't want to build them all by hand and you want to make sure that you get a certain percentage of all the guys that you want and even with the research methods that you go through we talk about tournament selection three max single entry mass multi entry anything that you want for DraftKings purposes, go check out that show and the PME will get you 10% off. Let's bring him in. Jake Seely is here. We got a lot to talk about because it's been like a week. We usually do this like every two days and now Andrew Luck is retired. Um, were you the one booing him in the stands? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Also, I was the one uh, answering the guy on Twitter is like, when am I going to do shows with you, by the way? Yeah, I know. That's, that's just strange. I don't respond to stuff like that. Either you watch it or you don't. I believe this is show number 16 for this football season that we've done together now. Already? Has it yeah. been that many? Yeah, well, we did like draft. We did rookie rankings. Well, yeah, we did I know. all four position rankings. We're just talking about like actual news and rankings updates. It's been like six or something like that. Yeah, no, I, I, look, this is this is what's so great about it is you don't even know how many times you've worked or done videos or talked about everything. That's why I always forget what conversations you and I have had and what the others. By the way, you speak of iTunes. Our podcast over the Athletic are free on iTunes now. Oh, really? So you don't have to pay for those podcasts? No, the podcasts are on iTunes, on Spotify, and also on the Athletic still if you use the app over there. But they're now on iTunes too. So you can hear Chris Meany, who still, by the way, is in the middle of nowhere in the woods up there somewhere visiting family in Canada. Somebody's getting married or something like that. You're a good boy out there. Yeah, so it's funny because I have just been on vacation. I went home to see my family. Meany and I are actually from the same part of Canada. So we just missed oh. each other by like a day because he had to go to shout out our former colleague at fantasy, Andrew Reed, getting married. Shout out to you. Congratulations. But everyone, I mean, if fantasy was still like a thing, you know, it'd be like out of business because all the employees are gone out east to attend this <laughs> wedding. But uh, shout out to him. Meany's out there too. And big shout out to Meany. Everyone knows Meany from this show, from being with me at fantasy and you at fantasy. Uh, he's now full time at The Athletic, killing it with you. What's the name of the podcast? Oh, so there's podcast. He's got a couple others going on, by the way, that's uh, not official yet. Uh, so it's it starts in September. <laughs> so in any case, you, you kind of dropped that news out there. I don't know if they wanted to say that completely full time yet. So dismiss that, everybody, if you heard it. Uh, he is full time in September. But the podcast that we do is now it went from Sports Unsealed, which I always kind of thought was weird because it was my name, even though it was with Chris Meany and Brad Ziegler. It's now the throwback. So and it's got a cool like little 90s which you would love, like the video vibe from like outer space or whatever, like the logo. So that's pretty cool. And then 
Meanie's on other podcasts, and I'm going to be doing a ranking show over there as well, talking about the same thing you and I talk about. So you can double down on, on that if you feel like it. Yeah, you'll probably get more insight on yours, but the, the laughs just won't be there, Jake. Let's be real. <laughs> no, that is, look, that's 100% true. Uh, and I mean, he's doing the black book too for hockey this year. Joe Pizapia is doing the black book like he does for baseball and football. He's doing one for hockey. So Slim Cliffy, Neil Parker, and Chris Meany are all contributing to that. So if you like fantasy hockey, it's probably something you want to get into. Let's talk about football that we've wasted far too much time on this, but you know, yes. Chris, Chris Meany's a good guy. So we got to give him some shouts. Andrew Luck, he retires. On the weekend, I adjusted my rankings. The one thing I said I would do while I was away is continue to update the rankings as we go along. The biggest thing I did, I dropped T.Y. Hilton down a few spots, not significantly, still a top 20 receiver, but more towards the back end of the teens and the high end of the teens. Uh, another guy who Cuss said just going to have an incredible season if people go back and watch the top 175 ranking show. Uh, the other thing I did is I dropped Marlon Mack down a bit and I moved Naheem Hines up a bit only because this can go one of two ways. So with Jacoby Brissett now in the back or under center, he might take off and run a little bit more often, not do these dump downs to Naheem Hines when he's on the field, which is why he would be on the field. But without Andrew Luck, I just don't expect this offense to be as good. Hot take alert! Not as good without Andrew Luck. And one of the big problems with Mack versus Hines that we had coming into the season is that we thought it would play out a lot like the second half of last year where the Colts were going to be good. They were going to be leading in a lot of these games, which means that Mack was just going to be on the field a lot. And it was when they were down in games, Games that Naheem Hines was going to be on the field a lot. And if that just wasn't going to be the case, he was going to be sitting on the bench. Now that their win total has dropped from nine and a half to six and a half, they don't project to be one of the better teams in the AFC. Shocking what one quarterback, you know, he's worth three wins. There we go. At least by Vegas win totals that if they're playing down a lot, I can see Hines actually being on the field more, thus increasing his productivity and limiting the ceiling of Marlon Mack. You got all that? <laughs> There's a lot there. Look, the biggest thing for me is so T.Y. Hilton fell down to 21. I mean, barely behind where you have him. Uh, DJ Moore, I have at 20. So that's where he fell, mostly because of the same reason that Marlon Mack fell for me down into now the what was the upper end of RB2s to the lower end of RB2s because of the touchdowns. It's really like I didn't tick that much off of rushing for Marlon Mack. The passing game was never going to be that big for Mack to begin with. And credit to Scott Barrett. And granted, you can always talk about sample size, but last year he tweeted this out is over 70% of his production came in games where they're up by two scores. Like once they were up by two scores, 70% of his production was there. So the fact that maybe they're not up by much because it's not Andrew Luck, and maybe even the defense takes a step forward this year, and all of a sudden it's just a more balanced team. They don't have to pass as much and don't have to play catch up as much. There's a lot going on here. Obviously, Brissett is not Andrew Luck. I think we could expect a little bit better Brissett than we've seen before in the past. The talks is really good about how much he's been at the books, at practice, playing with the you know the coaches, staff on the sidelines, and practicing with the twos and trying to get in time with the ones. He's just really hungry even before this happened. So I expect better. But Marlon Mack is big, the biggest thing. Like I said, I ticked off when the there was about two and a half touchdowns that fell off this offense on the rushing side of things. And the Jacoby Brissett, we go from almost 40 touchdowns for Andrew Luck to under 30 for Jacoby Brissett. And that's, the, that's you're just going to have a waterfall from T.Y. Hilton and all the receivers. Yeah, I don't think that, like I said, uh, just based on where I've ranked him, uh, he's now just behind Amari Cooper. He's in the range with those, like, all three Rams receivers. I, I have Cup ranked last. I have Woods ranked first. Cook's right in the middle with Kenny Galladay and T.Y. Hilton. That's where I have them uh, in terms of the wide receiver rankings. But I think we saw when Jacoby Brissett was playing for them, like, two years ago, that all of a sudden T.Y. Hilton was just, he was just very sporadic. He was the T.Y. Hilton that we imagine in our minds, not the T.Y. Hilton that we would want in terms of with Andrew Luck throwing on the ball. But it might be one of those things 
things. And you would always bring it up that it just might be a home road thing where Hilton just eats at home and does nothing on the road. <laughs> Which is kind of the situation with Drew Brees. And although the, the, the difference between the two with these is Drew Brees until last year. Actually, it became pretty pronounced for Drew Brees. Before this, it was Drew Brees just was great on the road. He was just a god at home. T.Y. Hilton had those splits, and it's kind of the T.Y. Hilton on track. And similar, that's why I bring up the whole Drew Brees and the Saints being on the turf. And there's a lot of stadiums that have turf nowadays. So there's some even outdoor ones. Like, you know, you talk about Giant Stadium. is Well, no, it's not Giant Stadium anymore, MetLife. But you talk about that, that's a turf. So it's not exactly the same as it used to be. But – it is that concern, and it is the concern that you talk about just anything to do with this offense. When you take somebody like Andrew Luck out of it, it's going to be a downgrade no matter which way you go. So I, I think that T.Y. Hilton certainly is still viable as a wide receiver too, and you talk about it, like I think this might help Naheem Hines a little bit, mostly because if we were talking two weeks ago when this happened, it sounded like Paris Campbell was going to force Naheem Hines almost out of a job unless they were down and passing a lot. But it sounds like Paris Campbell is kind of not really connected as much. And I think he missed a practice or two. But it's Devin Funches and then Campbell. And Deion Kane's actually been outperforming both of them so far. So the problem is, is there's too many mouths here because Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle are both at tight end. And he used to, that being Brissett, used to love Jack Doyle. Well, Ebron wasn't on this team at the time. And Ebron is still going to be a factor as much as we don't like him. It's going to be Ebron and him. So I don't even know that we can rely on either tight end now. Yeah, I actually bumped down Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron uh, in my rankings as well, just because of the main thing that you said, when you just take away over 10 touchdowns from the actual projections, that's where Eric Ebron was eating. Like those three for 39 performances aren't going to cut it when you're not catching two touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, and that's the biggest issue. I actually, um, I think both of them just fell outside like the top eight team. Did the double check? I've been pulling up right now. So Eric Ebron, no, he's even worse than that. I have Jack Doyle because well, I did half point PPR. You do full point PPR. I do have non PPR on here as well. But I have Jack Doyle at twenty two and Eric Ebron at twenty four. And somebody laughed at me on Twitter. Was like, oh my god, did you not see Brissett with Jack Doyle? Well, no, I did, but I also didn't see Jacoby Brissett with this offensive line with Marlon Mack, with Naheem Hines, with Paris Campbell, with Deion Kane, with Devin Funches, and Eric Ebron. None of these guys were on the team. They didn't have it. Just go back to the offensive line. He didn't have the offensive line that he did back when this happened in the first place. You just can't just say, oh, well, he loved Jack Doyle in the past. He's going to love him again. I threw Ebron into that tier. I still have Ebron as the higher of the two, but I threw him in that tier with like Hooper, Jack Doyle's in there, Jeff Swaim, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, Herndon. Herndon might actually be the one. You don't need to draft him, but at, when he returns after four weeks, I have he, so much Herndon. If, if, if you play in a league deep enough where you can put him on your bench, if you play in like a regular 12 team league, like you're not drafting Chris Herndon, stashing him. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm in a, a 12 team, 16 round. And I took him as this is my last pick. So he is taking up one of my six bench spots. And that's not something you really want to do, but it's six bench spots. When I draft Mark Andrews earlier on, that's the only situation. If I was drafting like a Mark Andrews, I'm trying to look who else maybe like, a Delaney Walker, not knowing if he's 100% despite looking good so far, but that offense has also been miserable. There's talk about Tannehill taking over. So I'm talking about those kind of guys, the Walkers, the Andrews, the Trey Burtons of the world. If those are your first tight ends, then I'm grabbing Herndon because you know what? I'm probably dropping that other option as soon as we get to week five. So I want to talk about the drafts that we've done since this, and we'll try to update the players as we go along to give you some sort of perspective of where these players are now going in drafts based on the news that we have. Uh, after the Andrew Luck news, just to see some of the Colts players that kind of had the trickle-down effect, I did a 12-teamer with the Awesome O guys, uh, Charity charity League. So shout-out Charity Water. Root for Pat Mayo. My team is pretty horrible, but you know maybe I can make a good pickup or two, fleece someone in a trade. We'll see. Some good, good names uh, in this draft, but T.Y. Hilton won in the fourth round 
round pick number 45. Does that sound about right to you? Uh, that's, that's probably where I'm ready. The fourth round is just generally where I'm ready to take them at that point. I mean, to go back up to it, if we're talking about the wide receivers in that range where I have them, that's the Amari. Like I'm not taking Amari Cooper in the third round. That was even before his injury. Amari Cooper, you mentioned it, the, the Rams guys, DJ Moore, even Tyler Boyd, Mike Williams, maybe more early round five, but mid round four, T.Y. Hilton still has the most upside because let's be honest here. If Jacoby Brissett has taken an enormous leap forward and this offensive line is going to make him more comfortable and maybe that was the issue in the past is just he was never comfortable at quarterback because the kid has an arm. Well, nice, not a kid anymore, but the dude has an arm. So T.Y. Hilton, when we're talking about all these guys in this range, he still has the ceiling over the rest of them. So in the fourth round, I'm okay with doing it. Uh, and Christopher Harris took Marlon Mack 53rd overall in the fifth round. Uh, I just probably would avoid Marlon Mack at this point, just because there are so many other running backs of his caliber around his range that I think I just prefer at this point, whether it be like I moved him down into that, like I moved him a spot behind Derrick Henry and I really don't like Derrick Henry, but I have like <laughs> Sony Michelle ahead of him, Tevin Coleman, Chris Carson, David Montgomery, Leonard Fournette. Like I think those guys are clearly better than he is at this point. You didn't mention Mark Ingram. <laughs> well, I mean, he is actually, would you, who would you rather have? Cause it's your ranking in my rankings, Marlon Mack or Mark Ingram, Mark Ingram. hundred percent. Right. I, uh, I have Mark to, so for your reference, I have Mark Ingram, Sony, Michelle, Lindsay, Duke Johnson, and Marlon Mack. All right. So I'm going to move Mark Ingram ahead of Sony Michelle in my rankings just for you. Cause it's your guest ranking for me. He's in worse place. He's undrafted. Right. That, that's where I'm looking at for this situation. But yeah, I don't think you, you need to go out of your way to get Marlon Mack. He's, there's also talk about you know, Jadavion Clowney being traded to the Dolphins. They're dangling like Drake as a piece. Oh, like, that was. I, it's not. It's not gonna. It's not gonna happen. But like, if you had your pick, would you take Drake or would you take Mac? Ah, uh, I'd still take Mac. I would I, definitely I would too. Just because at least I know that he's going to get the majority of the time share, no matter where he is. The biggest, the reason I groaned at that is because that was a Miami beat writer that was coming out with that. Hey, this would make sense story. Like he's playing Madden, like, Oh, here's a trade I want to make. Let's see if the computer accepts it. Oh, that's a good idea. Let's go propose that in an article. It's funny. Like you look at the Roto world page and see all like the headlines from today. It's like Washington wants to trade Josh Doxson, Kenny stills on the trading blocks. Like, when did trades ever really happen in the NFL? Like the, the day before I, the season, it never happens. They don't generally happen. It's like, that's why people were so shocked last year with Amari Cooper is because trades just don't happen in general when it comes to the NFL. So uh, I don't see it happening again. I feel this is just a report of like, Hey, wants to let's see if this matches up. And then to your point is the Kenny stills. You know what these trades sound like? It's the ones in your league where the guy's like, Hey, you want to do like a two for one? I'll throw you Kenny stills and then waivers run. And guess who gets dropped on waivers? Kenny stills. Yeah, that actually makes a whole lot of sense. Maybe that's what this guy is doing. Maybe he's trying to like propose. He, he has his fantasy <laughs> team is trying to like rig real life to make his fantasy team better. <laughs> that's the whole plan is he's trying to find a way to make Preston Williams a, a starter. I actually took Preston Williams. I do my longtime keeper league. It's one of the main reasons that I went on vacation so I could go do the draft in person for the first time in like eight years. Uh, I took Preston Williams in like the 13th round. I have no idea if that's going to be good or not. I keep in like standard like redraft leagues. I still keep taking Albert Wilson. It looks like he's going to be ready for week one i is he every time it seems like the the story changes on albert wilson by the week is it's one week he's going to be ready the next week it's like oh it might be week four uh either way i if everybody's healthy i'm taking albert wilson i'm with you on that even headed Devonte parker they're like 
the Kenny Stills, the whether or not this trade rumors, I just think he's the odd man out, even potentially behind Preston Williams. I like that pick of Preston Williams. Again, this is similar to Antonio Callaway before him. And Antonio Callaway, people are excited as about the third wide receiver in the Browns before he got hurt during the preseason. They're in the same boat as they were off the field issues. They missed time in college. They would have been drafted a heck of a lot higher. Uh, Preston Williams, I told you this before, I had like a third, fourth round grade on him, and he would have been in my tier two of wide receivers if not for the off-the-field issues and not knowing when and who was going to take him. Yeah, I just think it's an opportunity. He's flashed at least a little bit. And it's hard to decipher with the Dolphins because, like, who were the ones? Who were the twos? Which offense is the one? We don't know because the entire team is garbage. What are they like? Oh, <laughs> why are there rumors for them trading for Clowney anyway? Like, what sense does that make? Like, I, I, I that's what I, I'm with you on that. Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand, like, why everybody's getting so hung up on the Drake and Balage. Like, I understand the thought process behind Belage having the athleticism. I still don't think he's a good running back, which has been seen so far in the preseason, especially that last game. But the, why are we spending so much time banging our heads against the wall about this and the wide receivers and everything? The offense and the team is going to stink. So why do we care that much? And so I'm with you. The clowning the trade wouldn't make sense anyway. This team is in full rebuild mode. And it looks like they're trying to go down the Browns path. And if they do go down the Browns path, they're thinking two or three years down the road. They're not thinking 2020. Yeah, I would lean with some of the younger players on the Dolphins if that's a route you want to go down in fantasy this year. So, like I said, Albert Wilson is probably my preferred Dolphin. Kenyon Drake is probably the best of the bunch if you're going to draft someone, but I don't even know if I want to spend the draft capital that it takes to get Kenyon Drake or Kalen Balaj at this point. So, Albert Wilson, if you really want to go way down, Preston Williams. Those probably be the only two that I touch. I have no faith in Devontae Parker, by the way. I don't care how good these reports are. I refuse to be sucked in, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> how good these are it's the same reports we've heard for the last three years the Vonde parker looks great it's the exact same report copy and paste report uh ezekiel elliott uh there was news right before we started recording this in full disclosure we're filming this on a wednesday afternoon for release on thursday morning so if anything happens in like the next eight hours you know we're shit out of luck we can't change the video it's already <laughs> it's already been recorded and posted however it does sound like they're nearing a deal with Ezekiel Elliott, but I got into a situation in my keeper draft. So there's a few names that are off the board in that sense. Uh, I had pick number one and I had pick number four because I tanked last year to rebuild for this year. Came dead last, Jake. I, I pulled it off to a T. So I took Berkeley with the number one pick, like I have in my rankings. Then I got to number four and all of the, uh, I thought I was going to get Hopkins, but then the guy at three ended up taking Hopkins and leaving Zeke for me. And I, sat there and I was like, huh, do I really want to take Zeke? Like, I can't keep him for the next year. It's just for this year alone. And it was some, sometimes when you're doing these drafts, you can do as many rankings as you want, but until you're forced into this situation, you start thinking to yourself, and I was in a perfect spot to actually take Zeke because I had Barkley as well. We had talked about this and I got a bit of cold feet. So I started asking around the room. There was a guy who had pick number eight and pick number 15 in a 14 man league. So we had pick number eight in the first pick of the second round. I was like, yo, if I, uh, if I swap you pick number four, will you give me seven and 15? He's like, sure. I was like, this is perfect. Uh, then he ended up, he <laughs> traded up for Zeke. I got Kelsey and Josh Jacobs uh, for the thing. Oh, wow. And, and I can keep Josh Jacobs the next year. I can't keep Kelsey the next year because uh, you can't keep a first round pick. But I preferred that method of doing it for myself. But I also feel like a gigantic coward with Zeke. So I, I, immediately when that situation arose, I had to move Zeke down to my rankings just because I didn't do that in that situation. It was the first time I had encountered that situation this late into the game. So I actually dropped him number eight in the rankings behind Barkley, McCaffrey, Kamara, 
Kamara, Hopkins, Adams, Thomas, and Julio Jones. I have him at number eight. Now, he might play week one. He might not play week one. He might just play week two. And if he plays week two, he should probably be the number one pick overall or the number four <laughs> pick, whatever it might be. But I don't know. I just, after the Bell situation last year, when forced into the actual situation in reality, I just didn't have the guts to pull the trigger. Yeah, well, well, here's the, so I did in a different way. Uh, so there's, there's two factors here. Is one, Ezekiel Elliott is not Le'Veon Bell. He has to play at some point in order to even get towards free agency if he doesn't want to stay with the Cowboys. So that, that's, that's the truth is he has to play. Melvin Gordon has to play. They have to play. It's not Le'Veon Bell where they can sit out the entire year and it's not going to matter. So the biggest concern is obviously if they sit out the 10 weeks and they only show up the last six games. So that's the one side of things where you really start to get, oh, we'll do – do I really want that factor on my team? Where it sounds more positive with Zeke is, as you said, these reports are coming out. They have been the entire preseason. That sounds like they're going to work something out. At this point, I understand you and anybody out there getting cold feet. Everybody keeps it. This is the most common question I get all the time in the comments and every single day on Twitter. And I tell everybody the same thing. Look, if we knew he even misses three weeks, let's go back to Le'Veon Bell, just suspension year. It, we, we, we talked about it at that time. I remember having that conversation. You and I both had it, and you brought up the point, which I'm going to echo the point at the time, is even if he misses the first four weeks, you can make up those first four weeks a hell of a lot easier. The replacement value of that running back, whoever it is, plus 12 games of Le'Veon Bell, and in this case, 12 games of Ezekiel Elliott, is going to equal RB1, 2, or 3. It's still going to equal that spot. So I'm okay still taking him in the top four. In the draft I'm telling you about, I took him at three. Barkley and Christian McCaffrey went one and two. If either one of those would have fell, fallen to three and somebody took Kamara first, I would have taken those other two. But once those two were off the board, I'm taking Zeke just because I like him more than Kamara. And it's one of those, it's a super deep league that you kind of have to take those risks anyway. But if you don't want to do it, I'm not saying you're wrong to do it. I will because I have no problem making up for those first four games. But if it is eight games, now I'm screwed. And that's the part that you have to take into account. Uh, in the draft that I'm talking about, that 12-teamer PPR league, uh, Zeke ended up going seven overall to Alex Baker, the man by Osimo himself, took him at number seven. So that's where he ended up going in that league. And it was third in your league, you said? Uh, well, I was third. So, yeah, I was third yeah. in our league. By the way, is Osimo, is, is it because of South Park? I, I have no idea. I assume so, oh, okay. but I, I, I actually, I've never asked him. I just kind of kind of go with it. I mean, the guy has like millions of dollars winnings in like DraftKings, so you know, he, he doesn't need to really stoop down with me. Roberto Luongo is in this league. Drafted like a decent really? team, too, yeah. Well, he's retired now. He's got nothing to do. He was complaining, like, because Drew Brees was on the board in, like, the 11th round or something like that because no one was taking quarterbacks. He's like, well, I do leagues with my friends. You know, there's like... They have like three quarterbacks on their roster by now. This is this is fucked up. Uh, but <laughs> did you ask him? Is it the same thing in hockey? Do like goaltenders stay on the board forever? I actually have no. I haven't played fantasy hockey in like a decade, so I have no idea what the strategy is behind that. You have to ask me if you're going to ask anyone. So the big thing there is like, okay, let's say Zeke was playing week one, and someone offered you Kelsey and Jacobs for Zeke. Would you make that trade? I would still take the duo. That's the biggest yeah, thing. Is that's I, the thing. I, I, feel, smart... I, I feel like I got the better end of the deal in the trade. No matter what. And that's the biggest thing is I think you made out whether he plays 16 games or not. So that's why I said, wow. And I, I would have made that trade 100%. Now, of course, you could have known that, that those were going to be your two picks when you made that trade. But I understand your point. And the fact, the truth is you got Kelsey, you got Jacobs, who you know, I think is RB12 or RB1 because I do think he's going to get 300 touches. You get that duo, yes, you do it. If Kelsey wasn't there with one of your picks, and now you're looking at maybe you take 
I don't know, Odell Beckham and then lower than Jacobs. And like, you know, maybe you were looking at Aaron Jones. I wouldn't have done something like that. So it kind of, it, it worked out really well for you for who was on the board. Yeah, I knew Kelsey was going to fall to me when I made the pick because the people who had the three picks in between had all kept tight ends. So Ertz was kept by one, Kittle was kept by one, and OJ Howard was kept by one that they weren't going to spend the seventh, the fifth, sixth, or seventh pick, even in a keeper league on Travis Kelsey with guys off the board. So I was, I felt like I was pretty safe that he would drop to me. We need to, we need that emoji that, that one where the guy's like, yeah. And so sometimes you have to, you, you, well, I mean, it's not rigging the system. I just was aware of what, who the other teams had kept because I was looking at the board when I was doing it. I was like, huh, I can do this. I feel like I can pull this off. And you just know, I really like Josh Jacobs. Even in this draft that I did, I took him in the end of the third round. I had the 12-13 pick and then all the way wrapped back around. I got Jacobs there and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Although I feel like, uh, let me ask you, the draft went, just pulling up the results here. I had the 12 and 13 pick. So when it got to me, uh, I took Kelsey and Michael Thomas at the turn. So I took Kelsey number 12, Thomas number 13. It doesn't really matter what order they go in. They both got to me. Leaving Delvin Cook, Tyreek Hill, Mixon, Bell, Kittle, Chubb, Antonio Brown, Gurley, Ertz, Evans, and Keenan Allen all on the board. It's funny because the guy that I was actually considering taking in that spot was Nick Chubb instead of Michael Thomas because I really wanted to have Kelsey. And he ended up falling to pick number 18. Wow. Kind of nuts. I, for who you mentioned, out of all that list, I would have taken Le'Veon Bell. You know, I don't have any concerns about him not playing this preseason and not playing last year. And not, again, you know, of course, this could fall flat on our face, but it's Le'Veon Bell. I, I don't have a concern. And if everybody's raving and ranting and talking about how great the Jets offense looks and how good Ty Montgomery looks, and Ty Montgomery's not stealing touches from Le'Veon Bell. Let's be honest. He's not. He's not going to make Le'Veon Bell all of a sudden a 15 touch guy. He'll get his share, but he'll get his share as what the share was with the Steelers, whoever was behind him, whether it was Fitzgerald Toussaint or whatever it might be. He'll get his few touches, but the point being, it's still going to be Le'Veon Bell. I'm still taking Le'Veon Bell. I'm still taking him one spot in front of David Johnson. But look, you know, I understand that a lot of people aren't like what I like to do and get that bell cow and Kelsey and Thomas and Kelsey and Odell Beckham and Odell Beckham and Julio Jones. A lot of people are going wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end. And this is the one year after seeing drafts play out that I'm, I'm a little bit more inclined to understand because when you get back to the third round, there's like Jacobs and Aaron Jones and David Montgomery and Sony Michelle. And those kind of names are still on the board, which I don't love as my everyone, but I don't mind it if you have a start like that. Yeah, I'm trying to find. Yeah. So Silva did a version of that draft. He picked 10th overall. He took Beckham, followed it up with Tyreek Hill, then Devonta Freeman, then Julian Edelman, then Derrick Henry, then Hunter Henry. That's an interesting start to the team. I actually kind of like that yeah. team a lot with Beckham and Tyreek Hill. Did so he take I, the entire clock on every pick? Uh, I don't really remember because uh, I was I, where I had the back to back picks. I would just make my two picks and then like bugger off for 20 minutes and then come uh, back. It's like, oh, you still have five minutes before you pick. I wasn't really paying attention all that much. I just looked <laughs> at the results after the fact. Uh, so but then even looking at my team, I got into the situation. Sorry, we've digressed on this, but I you know, talked through the draft a little bit. Kelsey and Thomas. The only reason I took Thomas because I have Thomas ranked really highly and I feel like he could be wide receiver number one if things break right for him and I just didn't feel that about Chubb about Bell and all the running backs that were left and I knew Jacobs would likely be available for me with the final pick of the third round I was like well if I get the best tight end and potentially the best receiver and I have Josh Jacobs who I have projected to be you know, a fringe top 10 or a top 10 running back then all of a sudden I'm looking good the problem with that pick is who do you take with the next pick, the first pick of the fourth round. And I didn't know what to do, to be perfectly honest with you. I ended up <laughs> taking Chris Carson. 
I actually really like that. And you know, I'm a Rashad Penny guy. The truth is, is Rashad Penny can have an increased role this year if healthy and if looking good. I mean, he's another one, like similar to Albert Wilson, but in a different way. It's one day we get news that Rashad Penny looks great. Look at his explosiveness. And this is what they drafted him for. And the next day is Rashad Penny looks slow. He's dropping some passes. It doesn't look like he's 100% yet. And it's just back and forth, back and forth. The one constant has always been, and this is why I pulled back on Rashad Penny last year. I didn't pull back enough. I still had him, I think, like RB38, which still was too high. But I pulled back because Pete Carroll, for whatever reason, I know he talks up everybody. But he's always honest. And last year he was saying Chris Carson was his guy. Chris Carson was the lead option. Like we would find a role for Rashad Penny. He's saying the same thing this year. He'll find a role for Rashad Penny because he likes both. But the backfield is Chris Carson. The only question with Chris Carson is health. If he's out there for 15 games, there's a chance he could finish as an RB1 because this is the only team in the league last year. Now, people are going to, there's two different things. People are going to say Baltimore ran the most in the league, they ran the most snaps. The highest percentage were the Seahawks, the only team in the league to run over 50% of the time. Chris Carson, I, I actually really like that pick in the fourth round. So the big thing for me was I did want to get another really good running back in that spot where I felt like I was good at wide receiver because I had an elite guy. I was good at tight end because I had an elite guy. And I get Josh Jacobs, who could definitely flame out and not be good, but I have confidence that he will be good, that I felt that the drop-off, I had to weigh the drop-off between wide receiver and running back by the time I got back to my next pick, which was a while because, you know, I'm picking at the back end. It was another, what, 23 picks before it got back to me. So I look at the guys that went right behind him. So I had, these are the guys that I could have taken instead of Chris Carson. I could have taken Deshaun Watson, who went right after me. Uh, Julian Edelman, Mark Ingram, uh, Brandon Cooks, Kenny Galladay, (laughs) Tyler Boyd, Sony Michelle, T.Y. Hilton, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, O.J. Howard. David Montgomery was actually the first pick of the fifth round. As it came down to me, I actually started to consider would I go Montgomery, would I go Carson, or would I go Melvin Gordon? Those were actually my three picks, and those two guys didn't actually go to a round after me. I bet you if I hadn't taken Chris Carson that he probably would have lasted into the fifth round. He wouldn't have made it back to me, but that's where he would have went instead of the first pick of the fourth round. So it's a reach, but I feel like when you're drafting from the turn slot that you have to reach on guys. See, and that's the biggest thing. So and what you're talking about, which I'm glad you're kind of, you're saying it without saying it, is I wrote on an article on our site. It was, and it actually did really well, is why overall rankings and tiers suck. And the entire thing was trying to get the thought processes. Like there's a ton of questions. The comments in my rankings are, are over almost like 600 at this point already. No, bra- brag, be- brag, why don't you? I mean, those 600 people, just- if you're watching, if you want to get, if you want 20 bucks, at least a draw to get into it, you can just go leave one of those quick reviews, five stars on the Pat Mayo experience. After you subscribe, DraftKings handle something nice about the show. You'll be in a draw for 20 DK bucks. Jake's not giving you anything besides good information. You're paying for his good information at the athletic. I'm trying to give you money. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, at least I answered like 99% of them. There's a few that I didn't answer that people were like, are you going to have PPR rankings? Despite the fact that's non PPR, <laughs> half point PPR, PPR. <laughs> In any case, point being, there's a ton of questions about where are the overall rankings because I hadn't put them up there yet. Where are the overall? Where are the overall? Are you going to do tiers? Are you going to do tiers? And so I wrote that article. And what you're talking about is replacement value. And that's why I try to preach to everybody is it's replacement value. It's what you said you did without going down the entire explanation of the article, if you want to read it, it's, it's pretty long, but it's a really good draft prep, is you try to judge and estimate, and you're not going to ever be perfect, but you're trying to estimate the drop-off at each position until you pick again. You're trying to guess and say, all right, do I think blank running backs are going to go off the board, blank wide receivers, and what am I going to be looking at when it comes back? Because is the drop-off at wide receiver more severe than the drop-off at running back or even tight end? 
And that's why I like the fact that you took Chris Carson because knowing how drafts have gone and doing mocks really helps you try to do this without sitting there and do the calculation every pick. You know that you're going to be looking at tier five, six when that pick came back around at the end of the fifth, whereas wide receiver at that point, you can still get a solid wide receiver three. You're probably looking at a timeshare running back when that came back around to you. So here's the thing. Based on how the draft ended up playing out, I should have taken Kenny Galladay. He was my highest ranked guy that was left him or Robert Woods, I guess. Um, just because when not got- Edelman. No. Oh, sorry, Edelman. Yeah, for sure, Edelman. Sorry, I, I, I don't know why. I just I just looked past <laughs> his name for some reason. So Edelman and Galladay and Woods were like the next tier of receiver who I have rated quite well. I didn't expect when I got to the end of the fifth round because it's a full point PPR league that James White would be there. So I took, I ended up just taking James White with my next pick and then D.D. Westbrook at the turn. I had to reach for him a little bit, but I love D.D. this year. So I wanted to make sure I got him in my team. Pick one of round six, maybe a bit too high, but hey, whatever. You know, if he's good, who cares? That's six. It's the sixth round. Like this is where Christian Kirk went. Uh, But that's a good, that's a good example is you tried to estimate and if James White went two picks before that, you would have been in the right boat. Exactly. You would have done the exact right thing. But so the point being is. You, you can do your best. It's not going to be perfect, but you're trying to judge on replacement value. The hardest spot to do it is either turn. And as you said, sometimes on the turn, not only do you have to reach, sometimes you have to try and predict runs. And then you try to, when do I make my quarterback pick? When do I make my tight end pick? And sometimes you can even create the run yourself. I mean, if you would have at that Carson pick or even earlier in the draft, if you ever double down and hammer a position, double tap it, even tight end, if it's the best value on the board and then you're sitting at there, maybe six, seven, because you're on the other end of the turn. And at six, seven, you go OJ Howard, Hunter Henry, just because the drop off at the other positions is not that severe. And those are the best two on the board. You're just created a tight end problem for most of the other teams. So it's just playing that spot. It's a lot more difficult than the others, but sometimes it can come out in your favor. Yeah. So in retrospect, instead of taking Chris Carson there, I take Julian Edelman. And then when it gets back to me, I still take James White. And maybe I take, instead of taking D.D. Westbrook, I could take Tevin Coleman. Uh, and then all of a sudden I have White, Coleman, and Jacobs as my three running backs. And I have Michael Thomas and Julian Edelman as my one and two wide receivers instead of Michael Thomas and D.D. Westbrook and Corey Davis, which I am not super thrilled with. Well, I actually got Corey Davis as my number three in a lot of leagues. That's I'm 100% okay with him as my number three. The problem is, is depending on how your draft goes, if he ends up at your number two, I'm not. I'm definitely not a fan of that. And your situation with Kelsey, I mean, it helps offset it a little bit, but that offense just looks miserable. That's similar. It's, at this point, it's kind of similar to the Dolphins situation. As much as you can love Corey Davis as a talent, still hasn't really clicked for him yet. We could be headed down the whole Josh Jackson, Devontae Parker, uh, who else? We could throw a couple other names out there, but he's kind of he's starting to head down that path where it's like the talent has never fulfilled the pro- or the promise has never come through on what the talent should be, whatever way you want to say it. It's getting there. And it's partly getting there because of the quarterback play. But I mean quarterback play is is a factor we have to take in. So the the big thing that I ended up doing there to try to compensate was take like crappy wide receivers that maybe one of them could be a wide receiver three because I ended up with uh, Latavius Murray at that swing pick. I reached on Darwin Thompson. I took him the last pick of the ninth round just you know, if Damian Williams I don't think gets, that's a reach at this point. If Damian Williams gets hurt and Carlos Hyde is probably going right. to get cut, like they're already talking about keeping Darwin, uh, they're always talking about keeping Darwin Thompson out of the final preseason game, playing Carlos Hyde. That's pretty 
evident that they want to keep Darwin Thompson healthy here, that even if it's a split, like he's in a Latavius Murray type role, which I don't really expect, but maybe he can win that job. Maybe Dame Williams gets hurt. Then all of a sudden I have a running back one on my hands and I felt it was worth the gamble. It's almost like the Latavius Murray pick that I have to kind of rebuild my team that way. And then maybe I use them. Maybe I trade them. I don't know. But the other receivers that I ended up taking, I took Cratter in the 10th, Albert Wilson in the 14th and Cole Beasley in the 15th. Like if I can try to piece together a wide receiver three, even I like the Cole Beasley pick. I, oh, I have I Josh. I have Josh Allen. So dub points, man. <laughs> I look, I've been very high on John Brown as their number one, but it actually leading in receptions. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Cole Beasley, you know, Zay Jones is just Zay Jones who I've never been that big of a fan of, you know, that coming from a college that basically ran five wide the most of the time. I felt like he was a little overrated. Robert Foster just immediately, as soon as they brought up John Brown, I, I actually thought Robert Foster was going to get more of a chance after seeing him last year, but he just got thrown down the depth chart. I don't know what happened this offseason. I don't know if it was something off the field or in the locker room, or maybe they just weren't sold on this talent period, which is, again, a little bit surprising. But he just got thrown down the roster where the number one and number two were the two guys they brought in. And there's been a lot of connection and a lot of immediate quick rapport between Josh Allen and Cole Beasley. And if you're going to get Josh Allen comfortable and start making him at least a capable quarterback throwing the ball, it helps to have that reliable option like a Cole Beasley. So I could I could see him leading this team in receptions. So can I. And a lot of it had to do was I subscribed to a Warren Sharp site. Uh, everyone should just follow Warren Sharp and go buy his product because it's about the most <laughs> in-depth thing that you're going to find. And one of the big pieces about the Bills that he talked about was Sean McDermott bringing in a different type of receiver year two for Josh Allen like they did with Cam Newton in year two. And they thought that the problems with Cam Newton was like, oh, this guy is wildly inaccurate. Let's go find the biggest absolute bodies in order to make him better because they're going to have a huge catch radius. They can jump up and get the ball a lot like what they're doing in Tampa with Jameis Winston. And they found out that that didn't really work out so well. And when Cam actually became a good quarterback that they started utilizing some of these smaller receivers to more effect because it was more about getting quick separation off the line and completing easy throws rather than throwing to throwing high into traffic and hoping these big bodied athletic yet not skilled receivers at getting separation to try to gum up and try to come down with the ball that just allowing for easier passes I feel like that's what Cole Beasley can do for Josh Allen I think that's a great point and it's funny that like I'm not trying to say McDermott's not smarter than I am when it comes to football but I think that's something a lot of people fall into and don't understand and think about there's actually a bit of precision that comes into throwing jump balls like sometimes jump balls are jump balls because they were made jump balls by the quarterback and the fact that some quarterbacks like Cam Newton or Josh Allen or those type of inaccurate, they're more interception or more deflections than they would be even a jump ball. And it takes skill to sometimes throw that to a spot where only your player could catch it or it's incomplete. So I, I, it's funny that you say that because you would say, hey, McDermott, these offensive coordinators should know that. And I think sometimes you learn that and you hope and maybe that was the fact as they thought Cam Newton could become knowing how to place that when it comes to a big body. But to your point, and maybe this is a development of the NFL in general, is when you watch quarterbacks and you watch this type of play, the best thing for an inaccurate quarterback is exactly what you're saying, exactly what McDermott said, is find those guys who can get separation quick, and even if they slow down the route, which is not ideal, at least you've got that buffer window where if your pass is a little bit off, you still get the completion and you know you don't get the yards after the catch, but you got a completion for six or seven yards. Yeah, especially on first down as well. Like if Josh Allen drops back and throws to Cole Beasley for six yards, it's a six-yard completion. It's better than a run. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Unless I, then again, unless Josh Allen is taken off for eight yards himself. Well, yeah, that this is true. But then you decrease the opportunity for him to get whacked and end up on the IR. So this is a nice way to preserve uh, Josh Allen just a little bit. I wanted to talk about defenses and what to do with them in the draft just briefly, only because uh, the only rankings that I do for week one before like week one actually shows up, I'll be doing them up over the weekend that we'll talk about them and they'll be out next week. But I do rank the defense because I want to go into the draft knowing who I'm going to draft for week one and then decide who I'm going to pick up for week two because that's how I play my defenses. I stream them unless you know, they're fine or they have two good matchups in a row. Uh, I actually use my 13th round pick. I, I'm fine with like reaching two rounds on a defense, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, who cares at the end of the draft? If you can get the defense that you want for week one, that's worth two spots in the draft at the very end when people are just taking random flyers anyway. I just keep ending up with the Eagles against the Redskins. Like, that just sounds like a smash to me. It does, but I thought you were going to say the one that I, I actually, I'm surprised you didn't say this, the defense that I'm going after for the first three weeks of the season, the Cowboys defense, who's already pretty good and starts with the Giants, Redskins, and Dolphins. Like you That's can get good. a defense. Yeah. You don't have to think about a defense to week four. And as you've done and mentioned before, like exactly what you're talking about, look at week one, even the bears being like an elite defense. I mean, this is, it's funny. I, I actually brought this up of like the players or, or teams or whatever it might be. Guys, I, I'm not owning. You can have them was what I named the article. And I included the Bears defense. And then I said any defense inside the top six, except for the Ravens, because the Ravens have a good first week matchup. But the Rams, the Chargers, all these top end defenses, week one, they're playing really good offenses. And it's not an ideal scenario for the top five of the six defenses. Again, the Ravens are the only one that has a good matchup for week one. And again, this like, the people were saying the same thing about the Jaguars last year. Oh, they're worth a ninth round pick because didn't no. you see what they did before? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, and you know, I've brought this up before. The only, the last fantasy defense to finish number one in back-to-back -back years was 2000, 2001, the Steelers. That's how far back. It hasn't happened in almost 20 years now. So, I'm with you. Round 13 is okay if you're going to go get the guy because I think a lot of people are thinking about the Eagles. You mentioned it because they're playing the Redskins. Or they're thinking about the Cowboys because it goes Giants, Redskins, uh, Dolphins, or it goes Giants, Dolphins, Redskins. Either way, those are the first three games. Yeah, in retrospect, I'm kind of wishing I did that now just because I would have my <laughs> defense situated. So Dallas is going to be the, the best draftable defense at your draft. I think Philly is probably second. Like the One of the best ways to do it is just look who's favored by a ton at home and you think that like has a pretty decent defense. Like The Saints are favored by a ton, but they're still playing the Texans. That could work out one of two ways watson's susceptible susceptible to a lot of sacks but he can also post a lot of points i'm not i mean right. the, the saints defense will probably be fine for week one but like the eagles maybe favored, the eagles favored by eight and a half at home i know the seahawks don't have a good defense realistically at least we don't think that they do compared to other years but they're favored by nine and a half points against the Bengals, who basically have no one what, like that, what's that's what's the a Ravens fine, spread uh the ravens are i'm kind of curious because i remember the, looking at that they're favored by five on the road at miami Okay, well, I mean, but it's Miami. Yeah. So so there you go. And then the Ravens don't have – they have a pretty good, nice schedule to start the season too. Yes, and they're a pretty good defense anyway. Do you think they'll be as good as they were last year defensively? They could be the Actually, same, they, right? I think they might even be a little bit better. They made some additions, and some guys there they just drafted are getting even better. So uh, I think if you look at it too, if you think Lamar Jackson, this offense can take any type of step forward that's going to keep the defense fresher and not having to run out on the field as much – I get, you know, you can always say go the opposite way. I mean, this offense could bomb and they're out there all the time. But point being is I actually think they could be a little bit better. If nothing else, I think they'll be just as good as they were last year. Uh, Melvin Gordon 
Some people yeah. say that he could be back for week one, Jake. In the draft that we did on Monday, he went in the fifth round, 52nd overall. I'm good with taking him there. He's eventually going to be back, I would assume, but I don't know how quickly. If it's week one, you got yourself a steal. You do, but round five is where I'm ready to consider it. And usually somebody jumps the gun in round four, which I'm not going to say is stupid to do. I just want at least two running backs and two wide receivers or one in three, whatever it is, just before I start to take that risk of, hey, what if he's really out for the first 10, which will actually be 11 or no, wait, their bye week is week 12. So yeah, it would just be the first 10. If he really holds out that long, I actually had Michael Robinson on my own sports podcast. And it was funny. He said, Melvin Gordon is basically what this is exactly what he said. He said, Melvin Gordon, I don't understand what he's doing. I understand what he's asking for. And if he's really asking for 13, 14 million, this is exactly what Michael Robinson said. Dude, I, he goes, I love you guy. I love you, Melvin Gordon. You're my boy, but you're not worth 13 or 14 million a year. And I don't think he understands. Like, I don't think Gordon gets that. I think he wants the money period. And the Chargers are not going to pay that. To what Mike Robinson's point was is the Chargers aren't going to pay it. If he doesn't soften his stance, he is going to be out until week 11. Uh, so by on the flip side, Austin Eckler went 82nd overall in the in the seventh round and justin jackson went we got justin jackson went in the 11th round 131st overall do you like either of those picks i think those are both fair picks i actually have austin eckler inside my top 35 just because i really do think melvin gordon's digging his heels then that report was just kind of a speculative report it wasn't inside information it wasn't from the agent it wasn't from melvin gordon's camp or anything like that or from even the chargers saying they're making progress it was just a speculation that he'll be out there for week one and maybe he has necessary information that he's not allowed to tell us i mean that would be terrific i would love that and that's why you take the gamble on melvin gordon in round five but they're also the reason of the gamble being he's still out till week 11 is why you take Eckler and Jackson in those spots and why both of them are solid picks is because I do not think this is going to be Eckler getting the ball 65% of the time, 70% of the snaps or anything like that. It's going to be close to a 50, 50 split. And I think that's the best. I think that's the best idea for the chargers. So both of them will have value, but I would definitely take Eckler before I took Jackson. Would you take Latavius Murray ahead of Eckler? Cause I would. <sighs> I wouldn't, but it's close. It's very actually, I could tell you how close it is. Latavius Murray, I have it 34. Austin Eckler, I have it 29. It's five spots. All right. Would you take Darwin Thompson or would you take Eckler? Because I would take Thompson. Mm, I would actually still take Eckler because Darwin Thompson, I'm just hoping for an injury. I'm hoping, hoping for. Oh, hoping hoping for like seeing if there's going to be an injury probably a better way to state that or he just ends up being the better guy and then in that like regardless of what happens Eckler's not really getting better than what he's going to be in week one with the other two guys they both I mean I don't know how much value Thompson presents week one you probably can't start him but Murray has value in week one and he can only really get better as the season goes along if anything happens to Camara. See, I'm looking at it the other way. I'm looking at the fact that assuming Melvin Gordon, this is again, I'm rolling with Austin Eckler on the assumption. Again, we're making assumptions here. And like, I could be a hundred percent wrong. Melvin Gordon could be out there by week one. I don't feel just from what Mike Robinson said, from what all the reports have been, it doesn't feel like Melvin Gordon is playing until the last possible moment, which is the final six games to get his year in this contract situation. If that happens, I will have found a running back before week 11. Like another option on my team, whether it's Darwin Thompson or maybe when Miles Sanders and somebody drops him or gets frustrated with him or no, somebody else gets hurt somewhere else. David Johnson gets hurt and Chase Edmonds fills in. I'd rather have Eckler for those first 10 weeks 
than to stash Darwin Thompson, who, in my opinion, won't have value at least for the first couple weeks because if Damian Williams doesn't get hurt, Damian Williams needs to fall flat on his face, which is a potential situation. But I don't think they're going to see him bomb in week one and immediately turn to Darwin Thompson. I have Todd Gurley currently number 26 in my rankings, which means that I'm not going to get him. Um, just I, I'm worried about the injury. When I had Dr. Jesse Morse on the show, you know, he's not super encouraged by it. And when the doctors aren't super encouraged by a full-time workload for that type of player and the potential for re-injury and re-aggravation, and just what we saw the Rams do at the end of last year is like, shut him down. Let's try to keep him health, as healthy as possible. But if he's not, we're going to go with someone else instead. Then they go and they trade up, they draft a running back that it's not po- arrows pointing up. There was a great point that was made by Joe Ruckus on Twitter. Shout out at Joe Ruckus 11. It just says people talk about Gurley in terms of the destination and not the journey. Quote, if he gets X percentage of his points from last year, he'll be running back blank. But 12 of his 15 games are 4 p.m. or later. And any week that he's questionable, you'll have to decide when the early games lock who you want to replace him with in your lineup. So if he's playing all these West Coast games and you're taking out the entire main slate before you can make your decision on whether he's playing or he's not or the potential of what's going on, you might be left with some pretty seriously bad options if that's the case. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Uh, something I thought about before, but I never put it into words. I never thought about that deep. I, like, it just kind of popped in my mind. I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't want to have to deal with that decision. It's kind of, that's, that's really good. That, shout out to the, who, who was it again? That was Joe Ruckus at Joe Ruckus, bringing the Ruckus 11. Bringing the, bring <laughs> like, a great point. I'm, like, I'm going to tweet him and tell him he should change his Twitter handle to bring in the Ruckus. I wonder if anyone has bring, that. You can find out well, while you're doing that. It's a really good point. And the, it almost speaks to the fact that, it makes the Daryl Henderson pick more important or even to make sure you have a running back depth of somebody else who's playing a lot of West coast games. And then at that point, now you're kind of really overthinking your draft. Uh, I never, again, I never thought about it that deep and maybe we all should have, I would definitely all should have. I've been taking Todd Gurley late second round when he's fallen that far, just because I know he has RB one, like the number one, not running back one is top 12 as in the number one running back. He has that upside. He did so last year, not playing the full season. It barely beat out Saquon Barkley. All that being said, yes, the knee is a concern. The knee is a concern. The knee is a concern. So the risk is there. I think the end of the second round is worth it. Uh, If you don't, I'm not saying you should be taking him there. If you don't want to take him at all, if you don't want to invest, because if you're you're saying I'm not taking him until the end of the third round, you're not taking Todd Gurley. He's never making it to you. Yeah, like I, said, I have a number 26. That's early third round. I have yet to see him fall to that spot. He went 21st in this draft. The only other one that I thought was interesting, AJ Green went 55th overall. That's well in the fifth round. Like if you had like both Melvin Gordon and AJ Green went in the fifth round, yeah. I would take Melvin Gordon in that spot 100% of the time over AJ Green. I would do because we talked about it on one of your previous shows. When I hear the words, we hope to get him for the first half of the season. First half is a big window. That's eight games. Like, that's that's huge to say. We hope to get him for the first half. I know there's some reports that are saying, oh, there's an ideal scenario where he gets out there for week two or three. That's ideal. There's another one where a positive situation looks like he should be okay week three or four, maybe five at worst case. Like, when you say first half, I, I just can't do this. And especially because we've seen people, not even just A.J. Green, just players in general have an injury to this caliber and have a setback two weeks before they were supposed to come back. And all of a sudden, you know, what if you turn around and AJ Green is sitting there as long as Melvin Gordon is, where at least Melvin Gordon, we just know needs to sign to get on the field. AJ Green has to get healthy. Uh, let's, let's run through some news here. Uh, we got a situation developing in Tampa Bay in the backfield, Jake. 
Uh, I still think the Peyton Barber is the, just the one to draft at this point. I even took him in this draft, 133rd overall, in case I need a guy to plug and play. Not a whole lot of hope, but maybe he's just old and can stay on the field. Although he's not all that old, but he's the most <laughs> experienced of a lot of these guys. I have no faith in Ronnie Jones. Was he the second or the third? He's the second, right? Yes. I think I'd rather just own like Ronald Jones Sonor at this point rather than Ronald Jones the second. But then all of a sudden there you thro- go. thrown into the mix because of the preseason, we got the drug abuse resistance education. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I knew you were gonna say that. I knew it. I almost said it to pre- like preempt you. I knew you were going there. Uh, dare, uh, dare to dream. Say it say it again. Agumba Wale. Agumba Wale? Bowale. Bowale. See, I don't want to have to learn this name and then he's just irrelevant and then I have this stuck in my mind. I don't want to have that. I just just dare. Dare to dream. Do you dream, Jake, on dare? Uh look, I actually do. I've been taking him a lot the past two weeks in the 13th or 14th round. And the reason why is because it's the you know, I was trying to be tongue-in-cheek when I said it, but I'll say it again. Is I said, if Peyton Barber wins the job, you still lose. Like we're still losing with Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber is just ugh. like he's He's worse than Jordan Howard. Like no, he's just he's such a hero, Peyton Barber. Oh, such you, a hero. Like, no. no. Uh Ronald Jones, that that ended pretty quick. Like this team tried to talk him up. Jameis Winston tried to talk him up. Everybody tried to talk him up. There is upside with this kid. He has talent. But this is similar to what the whole situation was with Belage. You can have all the athleticism and all the ability in the world if you don't show it on the field and you don't have the vision. And then on top of that, you can't stay healthy, which has been his problem so far these past two seasons, since he's been in the league. I mean, this hasn't even been a second season that you're just not going to, you're going to get usurped and you're getting usurped by a mediocre talent. So if you look at dare and the, the drug abuse, was it? Well, I don't even know what the acronym is. The drug uh, abuse. What is it? Is the resistance drug, education, the, the, uh, the drug abuse resistance education. education? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say Ogumba Wale because I know how to say his last name. So you can just call him Ogun. You can call him that. But the goon? Oh, we can just call him the goon. We can call him Stifler. How about that? Yeah, there we go. Stifler. <laughs> so Stifler should at least be out there for third down. You've heard the reports already because the one thing about Ronald Jones, can't pass block and can't pass catch. We said that coming out of college. So that was the bigger concern to begin with. If Ogun, the goon, Stifler, is going to be out there for third down, he could trump Peyton Barber just because he's a better running back. He can trump him. He's going to go to Bruce Arians. Be like, Listen, I am the greatest receiver on this team out of the backfield. Many <laughs> no, no, people no. say so. Believe me, I'm the best. <laughs> He's going to build a wall on the sideline in front of Peyton Barber so he can't get on the field. No, no. That guy's too sharp. He'll get around it. He'll have a ladder. <laughs> He'll have a Peyton Barber would run head first into the wall. And maybe break through it. That's why Peyton Barber is so great. But Bruce Arian says in week one that they're going to ride the hot hand. Watch it turn out to be Ronnie Jones, too, all of a sudden. Just after everyone has completely written him off, it's like, oh, yeah, this guy's no. absolute absolute dust that he's just going to be the starter and rush for 135 They still have Andre yards. Ellington. Oh, God, that's right. They can't be Andre <laughs> Ellington. How old is Andre Ellington? Oh, he's not as old as you think he is. He just got hurt a lot in his career. That was the biggest issue. So the, he, he, uh, is, I mean, at one point, he was the Duke of Ellington. The guy could just laterally move from side to side. He was excellent. We got the Juke. We got Stifler. We got Ronnie Jones Jr. and Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber's going to rush for like... Can we we make a bet? Jr. He's the second. He is the second. He's the two. What do you have projected for Peyton Barber touchdowns this season? Uh, I don't want to say it's more than four. It's somewhere right around there. I could tell you if I pull him up here, he'll go Peyton Barber I have for four and a half. There you go. Four and a half. Can I take the over on four and a half? We'll bet like five bucks on it. Is that fine? Sure. Sure. I'll take the over. He's going to scum 
touchdowns, right? I, he's going to be the only guy in that offense that no one owns, and he's going to end up with like 12 touchdowns and like 800, to, not, not even 800. He's going to have like three catches for 25 yards and like 700 carries for 700 yards and 12 touchdowns. Uh, you, your yards are probably not that far off. As, where, where did he go? Peyton Barber. Am I looking too high? I can't even find him now. <laughs> I just found his touchdowns. I can't even find where he went. Oh, there he is. I have him for under a thousand yards, but actually not by much just because he's the lead option as of today. But to the point, I have Ogun or Stifler, whatever the hell. We're calling him Stifler. Is that where we're going we're, with? We're, we're going to call him Stifler. That just works out much easier for me. I have him for 400 yards and two touchdowns. How many of those are through the air? Half. Half? Yeah. I mean, that, that, yeah. that makes him a decently valid. It makes him like Chris Thompson-esque. Well, the only problem is I still have Ronald Jones for a little bit, but this is... Dep- Look, to your point before about the whole Kansas City Chiefs thing, if we see Ronald Jones get a heck of a lot of work in this final preseason game... That probably is telling us that maybe Stifler is the one that uh, they might swap spots. We might see Stifler make a nice jump in the ranks. So yeah, Stifler, Peyton Barber, the Duke of Ellington, and world, world-class world old golfer Bobby Jones. We, we got it all covered in the Tampa <laughs> The backfield. second. How about you just avoid the backfield? It's probably the best idea, right? <laughs> I mean, it's true. We could be looking at the Ravens and what we used to do for years on end. It's the one that nobody wants, but in this case would be Ellington. Uh, Jarek. Uh, had another setback after Cus tripled down on him and said that he was going to come back and be great. Now all of a sudden he might start. <laughs> did he really? He did. And then he might have to start the season on IR now. Breda is getting pumped up the rankings a little bit. I still think this is Coleman's job. I can see this being like a 65-35 split. Coleman's the main guy. Breda's going to come in, do some receiving. He's ran some great routes out of the backfield so far in the preseason. A beautiful real wheel route for a touchdown. I think it was in the week three preseason game. So I'd be concerned about Coleman's upside but I do think that he has a better floor and he'd be the one I'd be most comfortable with. But Breda still seems like a, like a decent pick. I'm getting a lot of Breda and it's mostly because of how cheap he's been going. I think that's going to inflate this final weekend, of course, because of what's been happening. I, I've always been concerned about Tevin Coleman. The one thing that we said, and I think we talked about it during like your free agency show, is he got his opportunity last year. And there were few people who lost more money for free agency than he did. And the argument was, well, he's back with Shanahan. He's back in this offense, all this type of stuff. And you remember what I said at the time. Let's look at Sarkeesian the very first year he took over, basically copycat, used the Shanahan offense. And then when he tweaked it, didn't tweak it to be all that different. It was still very much similar, let's say even 80% plus. So to say he's going to go to Shanahan in this offense and everything's going to be great, I don't think we can necessarily say that. And we're also talking about an offense led by Matt Ryan, with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley as good as he was as a rookie and Muhammad Sanu and a decent tight end Hooper. And you have that kind of offense and you can't succeed, but you're going to go to offense with question marks at quarterback, with question marks on the offensive line, with who the hell knows who the receivers are, and George Kittle. Like, it's George Kittle and everybody else. So I still think, I'm with you, Tevin Coleman's the lead. I don't think it's going to be as big of a split as you think. I think it's going to be more 50-55 Coleman. 40 45 Brita, and then your boy, the juice mixed in, and even some Mostert because Mostert was going to be active because he's played so much special teams. And I think he just kind of takes some of the snaps that McKinnon's going to throw away. Well, it's going to be George Kittle. It's not going to be everyone else because Trent Taylor is highly unlikely to play in week one. So he probably won't be there, but there is a question. And Hurd. Hurd sounds like he's out too. Oh, Jalen, yeah, Hurd? Yeah, you got to watch out for yeah. him because he's not going to be on the field. So you don't actually have to watch out for him whatsoever. You have to watch he's out just for Debo him. Debo snatching chains. That's who you want. That's who you want. But I do have one question. For you, Jake. What you gonna do, brother, when Cole Mania runs wild on you? <laughs> I'm not gonna have to worry about it because it's not happening. Yeah, I guess that's probably the case. Uh, any other news that we should probably get to? I think that's kind of it. 
Uh, I mean, the the Seahawks receivers with DK Metcalf questionable, and now you have John, no David Moore. Oh, uh, uh, no David Moore. Uh, that's, that's probably true. So no David Moore with Seattle. That means fake John Brown. Jaron Brown is likely <laughs> to be their wide receiver, too, who shockingly enough could lead like i thought that david moore had a chance to lead the seahawks receivers in fantasy points but it could be jaron brown like i would much prefer to take jaron brown in the last round than tyler lockett where he's going uh for, for oh, it depends on your draft i'm okay with taking tyler lockett as my wide receiver too every single time where i've been getting him but to your point it depends on where he goes in the draft you might have somebody who's a big fan of his and pushing him up too high you might see him as a value in some drafts his his draft range is very we were looking at during our podcast earlier today, I think he's got one of the biggest gaps from peak price to low end price over on uh, football calculator. So it depends on where he goes. Uh, I'm with you. I have been taking a few shares of Jerron Brown. I still think DK Metcalf can be the guy just based on touchdown upside alone. But I brought this up because of week one, it sounds like Metcalf is about 50, 50 and David Moore is officially out. So if Metcalf is out, Jerron Brown definitely is. I mean, you, he had Russell Wilson's not going to throw a ton, but he's highly efficient in doing so, and he has to throw it to somebody besides Tyler Lockett in the backfield, and it's not going to be all Will Disley. Oh, Walt Disley. Watch out. <laughs> his, his, work, his work has been celebrated. Has been has been celebrated throughout the years, except for the years of 1937 to 1945. Should we just run down the nickname players? Should, should, should you do that today? No, I mean, no, 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 no. The people will see them crop up throughout the season. Oh, yeah. Hey, you, I, I was able to get one into your list, if you remember. Do you remember which one I added to your list? I have no idea. Which one is it? Muhammad Snoo Snoo. Oh, Snoo Snoo. That is, that is true. I don't even do them in my column anymore. It was just too hard to keep up to date with it. <laughs> then people would be like, I can't find Muhammad Snoo. It's like, you're not even trying to fucking read. <laughs> Pissing me off. Uh, people don't read. Trust me. I know. Oh, yeah. No, they thought they don't. Maybe that is that they can't read. Maybe that's the issue. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, just, it's just, not didn't read, it's just can't. Yeah, it's sweeping illiteracy across the across the <laughs> fantasy football world. Finally, um, Jordan Reed is expected to be ready for week one. Why is this guy still playing? Like, if I had to draft a tight end on the Redskins, I'd probably want Vernon Davis at this point. At this point, I would too. Uh, to be serious, I gotta pull this whole down. You're having a lot of fun here, but to kind of just drag it down. I for him as the person, I just want him to retire. Just stop. Like, this is legitimately, I mean, we're not looking at Wes Welker concerning, like, are we going to find out in five, 10 years that, like, something serious with this guy? Like, just stop playing football. It's every time you turn around. And for that reason, I'm bringing that up for even if he is out there for week one, the fact is the concussion is just exponential. It's the next time you get one is more likely, and now it's more likely, and now it's more likely. It just keeps increasing, and that's why you see him getting him so much. There is no way I'm drafting Jordan Reed anywhere I don't even care if he's on waivers and goes for a hundred and a touchdown in week one. I'm not going to go pick him up just because I hate to say it. There is no, I would go to Vegas and put money on the fact that there was a bet saying that Jordan Reed doesn't play 16 games. Yeah. I, I just like, I'm with you. I'm, I'm concerned that he's still playing football at this point. I think it's been seven official concussions between college. Like uh, when and, does the NFL, the NFL step in? I don't know. I mean, that, that's that's a question for not us, for people who are far more, like, at least I mean, you're a pretty serious guy, for someone far more serious than myself to actually consider who might have, you know, a background. In, but I mean, they pretended like concussions weren't a real thing for like 30 years. So I don't think they're going to put like a concussion cap on people. <laughs> that's that's true but you would think at some point the medical staff would say like look for your health you just need to stop or like maybe the team themselves just be like we're not going to support you we'll still give you a paycheck but we're not going to put you out there yeah i mean they, they paid andrew luck all that money that they didn't have to 
That, that's true. Which, by the way, it's that that's so stupid. The fans in Indianapolis are idiots. And second of all, I love how everybody's pretending like Gronkowski is the greatest. Like, oh, let's celebrate Gronkowski going to want to party and do WWE and maybe coming back to football. But let's crap all over Andrew Luck for doing the same thing for health reasons. Yeah, but he invested in the CBD companies. So now he's just making bank. <laughs> so there you go yeah so see Gron- gronk's ahead of the game when it comes to this stuff he actually had like, that's why people like him and he, so andrew luck andrew luck should have just made a like a marijuana farm and then people would have supported his retirement decision i guess so what are we doing at like for the redskins and their wide receiving core can you draft any of them like is trey i think quinn, you draft trey remember yeah, when trey, trey quinn trey was quinn. like a thing like six months ago it's like hey draft trey quinn he's gonna be really good and then like his name hasn't been said for the past four months i think it's just because it's he's the guy, but he's the best guy of uh situation. I mean, really, let's be honest. Case Keenum's their week one starter. I do think Dwayne Haskins takes over. I would say over under four and a half games, just because it's Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins is the future. And I understand, you know, maybe Dwayne Haskins with the way that he looked in the preseason has flashed, but it's shown some of the concerns of Dwayne Haskins. He's also somebody that doesn't have a ton of starts from starting in college. He's basically a one year starter with a little bit extra, like the kind of Trubisky situation. So I understand it but he's taking over. And for that point, there was some Terry McLaurin talk because he has that connection with them both from Ohio state, but the Josh Doxson rumors, I think maybe Paul Richardson is Paul Richardson. The one that we're just kind of forgetting about has P rich even practiced this preseason. I thought he's been out there the past week. Has he been? See, I've been on vacation. I just, I, he hadn't practiced at, before at, I left. <laughs> and I, and that's, that's, that, was, that was quite a bit of time into the preseason. Oh, by the way, so while I'm looking this up, if you want the follow-up on that ESPN report on Melvin Gordon, here you go. Perfect example. Quote, it's just a hunch that he expects him out there. (laughs) Perfect. Hey, reports, hunches. I mean, this is what I feel like. This is what we consider news. By the way, fantasy is to blame for all of this shoddy sports reporting, by the way. Oh, wait, hold on. I, I support Roto World, but Roto World, come on. The last report you have on Paul Richardson is June 4th. That is the last time he did anything of significance. <laughs> Paul Richardson, still alive. There we go. <laughs> Not dead. Yeah. So, Trey Quinn for them. Oh, we didn't talk about Lamar Miller. Uh, Lamar Miller, oh, yes. because that also happened the luck night, and then everyone just kind of forgot about it. Uh, so, he's gone. Now, everyone's, like, drafting Duke Johnson like he's going to be, like, a bell cow running back. I get the opportunity is there, and they really have no one else, really realistically, to step in, at least of note, to handle that role, or at least someone we can point to and say, that's going to be the guy. But Duke Johnson went in the fifth round, 59th overall. And now Kiki is potentially going to return for week one. And I always just assume that like, Duke Johnson's value would increase if QD was out only because he, I feel like he could mirror what QD does a lot. But Duke Johnson's not getting 20 carries a game. Like that just can't happen. Can it? No, no, it's not. But it doesn't have to be. And, the reason, and I'll give you a perfect example. I have him at 24, one spot behind Phil Lindsay. Same situation. Phil Lindsay last year finished even better than that. And I don't think the Broncos are going to use him that way again because you see what happens when you have somebody that's that diminutive in the NFL who is going to wear down, unlike somebody like Derrick Henry, who can wear down the defense. It's the exact opposite. But Duke Johnson doesn't need to have 20-plus touches a game. Duke Johnson can be what Lamar Miller used to be back with the Dolphins when it was that 15-18, to and that was highly efficient, and he was actually an RB2, fringy RB1 at times. That's what Duke Johnson could be. He's RB24 for me. And in that situation, I don't even have him for 200 carries on the season. I have him for just, oh, no, I have him for just over 200 carries at 206. But I also have him for 39 receptions because that's, 
Duke Johnson just two years ago was one of, I think it was six or seven running backs with 50 plus receptions. He is a terrific receiver. And even with your point about QT, who I agree with, that actually hurts him a little bit. There's still enough there for him to get those 30 some odd receptions. RB2. RB2 is fine unless they make a trade or pick up. The thing is, is that they pick up a TJ Yeldon or Carlos Hyde or somebody like that who gets cut this upcoming week. I don't think it's going to be pushing Duke Johnson aside. It's just somebody to spell him like Royce Freeman is going to spell Philip Lindsay. So I think they both deserve to be in the same conversation. Well, it's funny. Like, that's kind of the range that I put him in, the guys that you mentioned. Like, after that Derrick Henry, Sony Michelle range, I have Latavius Murray, Philip Lindsay, Duke Johnson. I think it's like number 26 because uh, I think that value is going to be there for PPR leagues. And I only rank for PPR leagues, but I can see there's people, it, it almost seems like there's a willingness to overdraft him now because people think like, Oh, he's the only guy I've ever heard of on this roster. He must be the <laughs> bell cap. But like if it's not him, let's say, right. And we look at the Texan depth chart at running back. We got like Taiwan, man, Taiwan, Taiwan Jones is there. Josh, Josh, Josh Ferguson, who everyone really loved as the Colts backup like three years ago. He hasn't done anything since buddy. Howell. uh, who else do we Demera have? Crockett. Demera Crockett. And there's someone named Cullen Gillespie. Jalaspi. Jalaspi. Like, if you had to gamble on one of these guys, let's say they don't sign any of the guys that are cut in the upcoming week, who would be the backup? Crockett. I, I definitely think it's Crockett. These, out of all these names you just mentioned, he's got the best talent, in my opinion. And he's actually somebody who's better suited ability and build wise to be a bell. He's not going to, I don't think he will be a bell cow, but I'm just saying, of all these guys you just mentioned, he's the one with the talent to step in and be like, the lead option of this team. Uh, again, I still go Duke Johnson. I think Crockett's going to mix in like Royce Freeman. I actually think that's, I think these two teams are very similar in the comparisons where it's not even going to be a huge value on a per touch basis per game outside of the lead option, but it's going to be somebody spelling them to keep them healthy, keep them fresh as the game wears on. I think Crockett and Freeman could be similar, but Crockett's got more competition. Again, he's an undrafted player. There was a reason he's undrafted is, you know, a lot of people didn't see the talent that's there. And he might have more battle. Royce Freeman is definitively the number two. Crockett could be fighting with Ferguson or even Gillespie. Hmm. Probably just take Johnson, not worry about the rest. And if someone pops up, you see someone clearly the number two, maybe stash him off the waiver wire after week one and see what happens. No, I mean, even if they brought in Yeldon or Carlos Hyde, I wouldn't even bother picking either one of those up. I'm just with you. Just Duke Johnson, and that's the end. All right. Anything else you think we should hit before we get out of here? Uh, more nicknames? Man, we'll do an all-nickname podcast at some point. I feel like this this show does have more nicknames per player than any other that is out there. That is the one thing that I can guarantee, and maybe I'm wrong about that. Did you did you put in, I would walk 500 miles Sanders? No, I don't like that one. You don't like that one? No. That, that's trying too hard. It's why. The name of the song is I would walk 500 miles or whatever it is. No, I, I, I get that. I mean, if you're a big Proclaimers fan, everyone knows that, but... <laughs> Oh, it just feels, it feels wait, like, wait, wait. Well, hold on. What was the song where she, what was the song with the girl playing the piano down the street in the back of the pickup truck talking about a thousand miles or whatever it was. You could go that route to kind of like the off spin one, that one. That's not a pro claim. No, I know. It's some random girl is during that whole Avril Lavigne phase. Oh, see, I, I don't. Vanessa what is it? There you go. Vanessa Carlton. Yeah, he don't, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, go man. look her up. Apparently, Paul knows all about Vanessa Carlton. A deep, I appreciate deep cut, it, Paul. Deep cut, Paul. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, to me, is just the colonel. Maybe, like, when he blows out his Achilles again or something like that, Miles Sanders can just become the new colonel. 
No, well, fair enough. I, I think these are fun, though. And then when he fumbles, I can say he's the colonel because he's got greasy things from all that KFC. <laughs> See, there you go. I made you do another nickname right here. Yeah, but I mean, that's why Emmanuel Sanders had drop problems when he was in Pittsburgh because he had too much KFC on his hands, too much grease, couldn't catch the ball. <laughs> that's how you get the nickname the colonel. <laughs> I got nothing left. Say that we need to go like three levels deep on these nicknames if we're actually going to use them. But anyway. I did. I will. Th- thanks to Paul, we went all the way down to Vanessa Carlton. See, there we go. See, now, now we're working. It's like Inception. You got to get to that winter level before nicknames can actually stick. I, I, should I spin a top over here and see if it, spin, it stops? No, you don't. You don't want to know that. Trust <laughs> me. It's still going over there. It's really freaking me out. Jake Sealy, yeah. tell people uh, how much content you're doing at The Athletic and where to subscribe to the podcast. Too much, too much. It's, you know how to roll. It's about to be 80 plus hours a week. And so the rankings are going to be out. Well, so waivers, then rankings, then matchups and matchups by position and DFS. So like, it just, you know, follow it all in kid and tweet it all out. Just like you do. We just tweet it all out. It's the easiest way to find it. But over at theathletic.com slash all in sports, which is the name of the free podcast that I already had, but the other ones are free now too, but still that gets you 40% off. And now our athletic podcast are free as well. The one with Meany and Brad Ziegler is the throwback. And then the rankings one's going to be coming out with Brandon Funston and Michael Beller. So tons of stuff going on. And I have a new one coming out with a former NFL player that I can't announce yet, but it's, it's going to be fun. Beller hardly newer. <laughs> I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me at the PME, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. There's the Instagram <laughs> giveaway. You can get into that. There's all those other giveaways as well. The PME, T-H-E-P-M-E will get you 10% off at dailyroto.com. And hit the description for the link to the Pat Mayo Experience NFL Listeners League on DraftKings. Only 3,500 spots. So reserve your spot now because that's going to fill pretty quickly. All right, I'm Pat Mayo. You can find all my rankings in the description, in the comment section, up on DKPlaybook.com. I'll have them updated every single day to make sure that you have the crappiest rankings, but the freshest rankings available for you to lose your fantasy football draft. I'm Pat Mayo. Have some fun. Good luck this weekend. I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.